This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. I'm so glad that you are here. If this is the first episode you're checking out, you are jumping in at the perfect time. Today, we're going to be talking about what I believe is the most important factor around resilient child discipleship. So this is like when you were in school and your teacher said, if you only remember one thing, remember this because it'll be on the test. Today, we're going to talk about belonging. And don't worry, there is no test. Last week, Matt Markins gave an overview of the three B's of resilient child discipleship. That's belong, believe, and become. This is the philosophy behind what we do. It's the closest we're ever going to get to a how-to guide for making resilient disciples. To give you a bit of a preview, the next few episodes are going to be diving into each of these three B's individually. It's been said before, but I think it's worth repeating. These three B's are not something that Awana as an organization made up or that some people wrote on a whiteboard once when they decided that they needed to write a book. This philosophy is something that we believe is deeply scriptural, and you see that in the book, Resilient Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Faith. And it is backed up with a ton of research that this is the path to make resilient disciples. So today's episode is actually going to be in two parts. In part one, I spoke to Chris Marchand, the Vice President of Partner Solutions at Awana. In part two, you'll hear a story of what belonging can look like in a local church context like yours from Josh Mulvihill. Josh is a board member at Awana, but check out the show notes today for more information about his ministry and additional resources I think you'll find helpful based on this episode. Both parts jump right into the conversation, so you'll hear Chris right away in part one, you'll hear Josh right away in part two. Thanks again for listening. Here's episode eight of the Resilient Disciples podcast. So belonging, as we define it, is a highly relational ministry led by loving and caring adults. And so that, but that's like, you know, 60,000 feet to the mm-hmm. heavens. Like mm-hmm. that, that sounds great. What, you know, I'm sure everybody's like, yeah, us too. Um, <laughs> but, but what do we mean by that? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's very much about creating the space for, for belonging to, to commence in your ministry. So how, how do you create an, an, an invitational space, an inviting space? Mm-hmm. Um, I fought this even when I first started out. Um, in, in youth ministry because so many of the churches that I were uh, I was a minister at they were like entrenched you know traditional entrenched community driven closed groups mm. and so for us to even do outreach like outreach outreach was the thing that the church was going to get to someday rather than seeing that as like that no that's our core purpose for being and 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 just missionally driven in terms of how we do a ministry but belong again belonging making that invitational space. Um, I would say it's also another key characteristic of belonging is a space where we withhold judgment. Yeah. You know, cause so many kids are, you know, kids aren't growing up today in church anymore. Uh, they're coming in. They don't even know, they don't know the rules. I remember mm-hmm. we were playing, we, we had an open gym and we had a young man and he was coming in and completely had no concept and context of church. And, and he just got upset and he let everybody know that he was upset. And it was, it was, I've never heard that many F-bombs all in, strung together, but, you know, and everybody's looking at me like, oh, Pastor Chris, this is church. Does he not know what's, what, what is, are you, are you going to do something? I'm like, he didn't know the rules. Yeah. He didn't know how we're playing. So, but rather than chastise him and, and push him away and alienate him, it created an opportunity for us to engage him and just say like, hey, you know, we, 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 we do things kind of different here and we want to mm-hmm. share that with you because we also want you to be part of that as well. Yeah. Um, 
So invitational, making space, withholding judgment, um, but also that just that aspect of loving and caring adults yeah. um, is huge because oftentimes, um, you know, just in ministry, we can get distracted with the metrics that we lose the ability and the, or the, the visibility into the person. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that, hey, I'm willing to put this whole program on hold for your immediate personal need right now. Like the, that I'm willing to set aside everything that I think is just objectively and missionally important to step into your life and, uh, and care about you. Um, I'll, I'll just tell one story just briefly. Um, I remember going, my, my dad was driving me to church and, uh, you know, he was, he was just unloading, letting me have it. And, um, you know, I just, I remember as a kid just pulling up to the church, just being just emotionally and, I don't know, just done. Yeah. And um, I remember walking up the steps to the church and it felt like I had concrete shoes on. Like I, I, it was the weightiness of just not measuring up, not fitting into a system. Like I just you know, felt lost, confused and everything. And I just, I, I, I made it to the door, but at standing at the door was this leader who he, he was a greeter, mm-hmm. but God had something more for him that day because I just, you know, and he knew I started busting up in the tears before I even touched the handle of the door. And I just buried my face in his shirt and just, I just cried and let it all out. And he just, he could have said, okay, okay, that's great. You know, cause mo- most, most parents just want kids to stop crying. I mean, that's yeah. just, you know, but for him, it was like a biological thing. Maybe, it's yeah. about, yeah, it's totally like, you know, stop crying. Like, it's just like, what, wait a minute. What? No, just, God made this thing for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he did is rather than rush me into the program and say, hey, we're going to, you know, time to play your part. I'm time to play my part. Let's do this all in this nice, neat little system. Um, this loving, caring adult took me aside and we spent the four, we spent the next 45 minutes really working through a lot. Yeah. And, and I'm so thankful that that leader in that moment cared enough about me and what I was going through to put to put the good things on hold so he could do his best work. So I want to, there's two things that I want to kind of highlight in the belong. Um, in addition to that really good story, um, belong comes first. It does. And I think why, why does belong come first? I think, yeah, I've, I've explained it this way and it's one of those things where afterwards you're just kind of like, wow, that worked out really well. Um, <laughs> but, but in, in, in terms of belong it's because that's the path that Jesus also took. Um, I love the message, how it talks about in John chapter one, you know, and, and Jesus moved into the neighborhood. You know, he could have, he could have taken a completely different approach, but the, the, the sheer fact, the, the sheer idea and design of the incarnation is that Jesus came first to belong here with us mm. and to share, and we are going to share the same space that the, the son of God is going to come and move into the neighborhood with us to create spaces for belonging. And the beauty of it is that's the modus operandi of his entire ministry. You know, he's, he's not, he, he doesn't walk up to people and go, I'm so disappointed about your belief system. I mean, he does that to a group of people <laughs> that are called the Pharisees. Um, you know, and he does that but to some select group, but yeah, they, you know, <laughs> yeah. After, after being that way for long enough, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, like it on. was, it was time. Yeah. Um, but for, you know, you look at even, um, you look at the woman at the well, you look at Nicodemus, um, you look at the man at the, uh, next to the pool of, uh, at, uh, at Bethesda. I mean, you just, you look at so many of these encounters that Jesus has and his initial starting point is belonging. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Zacchaeus, he's just like, who's this, who's, you know, Zacchaeus, we little man up in the tree. And he's just like, Hey, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house tonight. 
And everybody's like, what? Like, <laughs> you're going to his house? Do you not know who he is? Like, what in the world? Yeah. Um, but it's because that's his first play, always. Um, whether it's coming and rescuing us or the stories that we see, you know, told for us in the gospel, um, he's, he's always inviting. Mm-hmm. He's always inviting people into a relational space. Mm-hmm. And it's always about either, hey, I want I want to get to know you. Or I want other people to get to know you. Because I'm sure that the interesting thing is as Jesus sat down and dined with sinners, it was a moment of curiosity. And I just love that because the, the true learning begins at the moment of curiosity. And as people are looking in and peering in, whether they had judgments in their heart or not, it's it's just an opportunity for them to go, wow, he's really different. Mm-hmm. He's he's this is this is something other here with us. And so I think for us, we start with that because it's a it's the way our savior did it. So it's it's not something that's necessarily, you know, you know, we're a one and we thought of this and you know, this is this is great, but it's more of just modeling that 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 first step relational engagement from our savior. Yeah. I I think and that's been the obviously if we're going to be about these things, there there's going to be they're going to come from scripture, right? But the biblical basis of what we talk about I think is really really clear and I think for the person who is just getting used to reading the Bible, they read these stories and they, and they feel like stories, right? They feel like characters in a play moving and they don't necessarily take the time to think like, and I love what you just said, that Mm. that was his first play always. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other reason that belong really stands out to me. And I've said this before, I think even on the podcast is like, that's a, that's a, that's a thing thing. That's a human thing. Yep. And that's the thing in parenting. I I heard uh, Jerry Seinfeld of all people. uh, He was, in his uh, Netflix show, Comedians in Cars Getting yes. Coffee, where it was him and Mulaney, John Mulaney, and John Mulaney was talking about kids and how he doesn't want to have kids. And he basically was saying like, well, don't you have to, you know, know this and know that and be able to mm-hmm. do CPR? And like, I'm on the road all the time. And like, you know, there's so much like I would have to have to figure out first. Mm-hmm. And I believe the quote was, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and he's like, your kids don't need any of that. Your kids just need you. Yeah. And I think we miss that so often where we're like, you know, my kid has to have, uh, my daughter had a performance this morning, right? And we're like, oh, she has to look a certain way. It's like, no, like your, your daughter, my daughter just needed us, yep. right? Just to be there. Um, and she was so happy, so happy that we, we were able to sit in the front row. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think for like that, that, that leader that you spoke about earlier and just the, those moments of feeling connected as a child to a loving, caring adult, feeling like just heard and understood Mm -hmm. that is not something that's just confined to a child. That is not something that is just uh, confined to like a biblical thing. Like that is a humanity thing from birth to grave. Absolutely. And the, and the truth is while, while we're, while we're processing this all through the lens of children's ministry, there, there's a whole generation of adults that are looking to find belonging. Mm. Um, in fact, actually, if you, if, if you look, whether it's, it doesn't matter if it's an adult, an adolescent or a child, we're all in search to know and be known. Like we, we want that, we, we want that person. We want to know who that person is that we come and sit down with. That's always ready to make a space for us at their table unconditionally. Like you, you come, mm-hmm. you, you come and we are for you and with you no matter what. Mm. And then from there to, to have that, that that follow-up of not only do we make a space for you, but we value the, the, the authentic person that you are being brought into that space. And, and it, and it's another, it's another adding of the seasoning to the dish. Nice. It just makes it so much richer and so much better 
rather than trying to make this, you know, homogeneous thing, you Mm -hmm. know, we're, you know, we're, we're able to make something, um, you know, truly beautiful inside of the design and system that, that God has laid before us. Yeah. And I think too, that it's you, by starting with belong, uh, it's not pharisaical. It's not no. uh, prescriptive of you have to believe before you're before you're allowed to the good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or <laughs> it's not you know so futuristic where it's like how come you haven't figured this out yet, right? Yeah. It's like just by just being here, like that's the first step. Yeah, I mean, it's it's think about this. So I always laugh at, um, or I shouldn't say I laugh. That that might be that might be. Oh, anyway, who cares? Um, <laughs> but but for churches that have discipleship applications, I always find that funny that it's like before we disciple you, we want you to fill out an application, or or even if it's <laughs> like to for a student for a student to go on a missions trip. Here's this 21 page application where you have to like bear your soul to us. Yeah. And if if we had done the belonging work at the get go, would we even need that application? But but here's really here's here's really the interesting part. So you, you look at Jesus's, you know, dream team that he put together and he had 12 guys and, and, you know, 11 of them abandon him and one of them tries to kill him, you know, and even look at the life of Judas. Think about it this way that, so we don't just make spaces for people, for kids to belong who are like the kids that we want to belong. We need to make a space for, for every kid. Yeah. Even the kid that might, might be totally antithetical to the things and objectives that we're trying to achieve. Why? Jesus gave Judas a front row seat to the Savior of the universe. So that's what I mean by, like, we, we need to withhold judgment and just make spaces for kids to come and be, no matter where they are in their life, no matter what their walk looks like, no matter whether they have it all together. And we don't make sure that they're doing all the right thinking either before they get into that space. Let's just let them come. Come and taste, come and see come and experience and then that becomes the front door to then talking about believe thanks for listening we'll be right back it's time for a new conversation resilient child discipleship and the fearless future of the church is now available the book is an honest calling to ask robust questions about the future of faith in the midst of changing cultural landscapes This book is a love letter to the church about the children who will one day lead and minister in the face of cultural adversity. Resilient Child Discipleship looks beyond the tactics of everyday ministry and focuses our energy on the few key factors that truly contribute to effective long-term discipleship. Get a copy for you and your team today at ResilientDisciples.com. Hey, you're still here. I interrupt the normal flow of this podcast so we can get into part two of this conversation. But quick note, you're not going to hear me in part two. I'm leaving you in the very capable hands of Mike Handler. He actually was the one who interviewed Josh Mulvihill. Stay tuned to the very end of the podcast and I'll tell you where I was. So here's a great story of what belonging looks like with Josh and Mike. Relationships are huge, obviously, between kids and their teachers. And so one of our purposeful strategies, I know a lot of churches do this, but one of the things we did with our teachers, we asked them to move with a grade as they grow older. I, so I ask our volunteers to commit for three years. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of three years, they can decide if they want to join for another three years. Um, so what ends up happening is the relationships that get developed over that three years between um, the volunteer and the, the young people in their class tends to become so strong that uh, we don't we tend to see uh, our volunteers our my turnover rate when I came was 50 percent 
the volunteer turnover rate now is at about 2%. Two? Because, and it's nothing that we did other than we helped strengthen the bonds of relationships. So that's been huge, both for so many kids and my own as well. So my child, uh, Asher, he's 10 now. Uh, When he was, I believe, uh, kindergarten or first grade, Miss Nancy is her name, Mm -hmm. was his teacher. And... Uh, Miss Nancy Nancy moved up with Asher as he grew older, uh, and Miss Nancy learned that uh, my my mother died about uh, twelve years ago. My wife's mom died uh, five or six years ago, so we didn't have any biological grandmothers, Aww. and it was a big uh, source of pain and grief in our home. And so Miss Nancy said, "I'm going to adopt your kids, and I'm going to we're going to I'm going to be adoptive grandmother to your family." And, uh, and that started through Awana. So that has continued now for six years. Wow. And um, my kids have her on speed dial <laughs> and they call Nancy. Literally, it's almost every every day, every other day, we get a request. Can I, can I go call Miss Nancy? Wow. Um, she spends a lot of time with our kids. She mm. uh, perched, get Christmas gift. I mean, you get it you, uh, yeah, all yeah. across the board. And then she builds into them. So at, our, at Grace, we're church of about 5,000. Um, uh, my kids then have begun serving with Nancy. Mm. And in a large church, these, you know, relationships are not easy in any church. But no. in a large church... I think they're uh, even at times more difficult. And Absolutely. so uh, the, our kids have begun serving with Miss Nancy. My, uh, we came, I came and saw Asher one Sunday. They were cleaning up from communion, and he had all the extra um, grape juice little dealios lined up like shot glasses. And he <laughs> was having the time of his life just hammering one after another and biggest <laughs> smile on his face. But I'll tell you what. Uh, he part of his joy of uh, of Grace Church has come through Awana, mm-hmm. meeting Nancy and developing this strong relationship. That for him, it means the world to wow. him. And when he doesn't, when Nancy's not there, and Nancy, he's not able to be uh, with Nancy and serving her other capacities. He'll be uh, literally, it's tears, and wow. it is, it has been so meaningful. So the. You know the belong component of the resilient piece is is significant. Yeah. Uh, you know we, uh, you know, the love piece that's there. It you know, we we become like those that we love, and so I love that there are people in our community that are investing in our kids, and we want to see that for every child that become that comes through Awana and is part of Grace Church and. Yeah. Uh, and there are so many kids that are out. So I guess those that are listening, um, our family was in need of the belong component. And if you have the capacity to invest in, even if it's a single child, yeah. it can make the world a difference for that one that one child. That's awesome. And, and it doesn't take much, does it? I mean, this no. is just being a, a little bit more available, mm-hmm. a little bit more intentional, mm-hmm. but it goes a long way. Yep. So they... so. So Miss Nancy still teaches his Awana class, and he won't miss Awana for the world because <laughs> he loves he loves Miss Nancy. That's excellent, and and yeah. we find that too, don't we? Like there, there's always that kind of leader or adult connection that mm-hmm. just models that for us wonderfully. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. And what I liked about what you said earlier about when you go into a church and you ask them to, you know, kind of reprioritize. It's okay to say, I don't know, and to talk about it and to discuss it, right? I mean, that's that's not the wrong place to start. The worst place is probably faking it and saying, oh, we've always done this or, 
Yeah. There's this certain methodology or whatever it is, rather than saying, okay, let's look at what the Bible says and, and think of how do we apply that to our context or our community? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, you know, I think from time to time, just like all of us, it's good to check under the hood and to, um, you know, things, you know, barnacles grow on ship and they need to be scraped off and sometimes Mm -hmm. directions need to be changed. And so it's one of the things I love about the resilient conversation is that there is a course correction that's needed for many of us, for some of our churches. And, uh, and the reality is that those are hard changes, hard, but change that is needed. Um, it can, it can be significant in the life of our church and our families and our kids. So, um, so if you, I would say, if you haven't taken time, if those that are listening, you haven't taken time to, uh, sit down and evaluate, um, why you do what you do with your children and your youth in your church. Uh, that is probably a good thing to do at some point here in the near future. Yeah. So, so let's walk through that just very practically. Hey, if you were to turn this podcast off and do one or two things, these are the things that I would very practically say, do this, start here. Yeah. Well, I just think with my own kids, they spell love T-I-M-E. Yeah. And so you talk about the relational side of things. That's absolutely foundational. So I think it begins, you know, if I'm just thinking um, either as a dad or as how would I encourage the families in my church with their children, um, the time component's significant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a, as, a, as a church leader, I don't want to sacrifice my family on the altar of ministry. So that I think is a practical, you know, how much time are you spending with your family yeah. to build into uh, the, resi- the resiliency of your own kids? Uh, and then your families, how are they doing with, on the time side of things? Um, some of them are trading square footage for their kids. You know, mm. they, they're working hard and bless them for that. But, you know, my kids probably could care less the kind of car I drive or the size of my home if they don't have a dad to trade for it. So yeah. that time piece is a big one. Um, you know, for our families uh, in our, our homes, we want uh, one of the phrases I use is every family worshiping together. Mm. Um, so we try to encourage every home to be reading the Bible, discussing the Bible. Um, that to me, if we can get every family doing that, that'll go a long way. We live in a culture that uh, has a lot of messages yeah. that don't align with the Bible and seek to uh, find converts for all of our kids to a different way of thinking and living. And so they need to be fortified um, informed with God's word, uh, both in our church settings and in our home settings. And so, um, so I, you know, that those are two pretty practical, simple yeah. ones. They're not, obviously it's not rocket science, but God's words, it's, it's not, I don't, when we look at God's word, what we're to do with young people, it's pretty simple it, in the sense of simple to understand. It's not easy to implement because yeah. it takes, takes resiliency on our end, right? To and be intentionality, able to, right? To commit, yeah, yeah. And, and intentionality. Um, so, you know, those are two, two, two areas we, we encourage a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. That's excellent. So practically speaking again, you know, um, what are some other areas or means by which we can extend that belonging to maybe other kids in our lives? Maybe it's not in a church atmosphere. Maybe it's just like, in our home or in our neighborhood, or maybe you're, maybe a person listening to this is an educator. 
Mm-hmm. You know, how do they extend that kind of belonging um, ability to kids in their lives? Well, sadly, there are a lot of kids that need to be loved and mm-hmm. included and to be part of a community that don't have it. One of the things I heard most as a, as a children's and youth pastor, I probably hear the most common from parents is my child doesn't have a close friend. Yeah. Um, and so that belonging piece is just, a, it's a cry of all of our hearts. And uh, so I think for, for any of us, uh, I, we want to be on the lookout for that, that child that, that needs that sense of community, that needs that close intimacy. And how can you provide that, uh, whether that's in a classroom setting, mm-hmm. uh, maybe your family can essentially adopt a child that yeah. they become part of your home or maybe you're the the Miss Nancy that I spoke about earlier that you adopt the child and you just decide we're going to build into uh, so there's a family that we've the uh the uh the, the husband and the wife went through a nasty divorce mm-hmm. and the family's got four kids we've essentially adopted those four kids and they don't have a father figure in their life and wow. so we've just decided we're going to invest in this family, we're going to, which has a financial commitment to it. It has a, uh, we will watch your kids' commitment to mm. it. Um, we have purposefully tried to help our our children become friends with their children, even though sometimes the things that, because when you have a dysfunctional or broken home, the things that come out of that are sometimes sideways. Yeah. And it's not always the things we want our kids to be replicating. Um, but in that, we help our kids um, we want them to be doing the same kinds of building into others relationally. And so we've seen a need and we've decided to encourage our family to, to meet that. And so that's been a, such a blessing for our family, not only to be on the receiving end of it, but then to be able to give to others that are in that same place. And we all need it, right? Yeah, so totally. at different times. Yeah. Um, so I just say, be on the lookout. How can, you know, how can you, uh, how can you meet some of those just very basic and important needs that, uh, each of those kids have that walk into your classroom. Thanks to Josh and Chris for the time, and thank you for listening all the way to the end. And special shout out to those of you who have rated and reviewed and subscribed to this podcast. So many of you have already done that, and it's so encouraging to us to see that God is at work in your local context and that this podcast is helping. So thank you. And if you haven't rated, reviewed, and subscribed, now would be a great time. I also have to thank Mike Handler. Mike had to fill in for me super last minute. We had set up the conversation with Josh at the Children's Pastors Conference, but I had to go home. There was a family emergency that thankfully everybody's okay, but I went home and Mike stepped up and did a great job filling in. So thank you, Mike. But before we go, I have one more thing. Chris Marchand gave me a ton of things to think about when we talked, and you're actually going to hear more of the conversation with Chris over the next couple of episodes. But this last little nugget here was just awesome wisdom. And the bottom line is, if you're still here, I think you need to listen to this. I think it's really hard for um, practitioners to create a space for kids to belong if they aren't finding true belonging themselves. And so one of the things just to to be an encouragement in this way, um, because for some ministries out there, they they might struggle with this a lot. 
um, because possibly they're focusing on the other two areas. Like maybe they're just, they're highly missional and they're highly doctrinal, Mm -hmm. but they're just relationally stagnant inside of their church. Um, you know, even when we rolled out a product line here at Awana a couple of years ago, you know, it was it was very much a shift toward relational and we had some churches push back on it. And really it had nothing to do necessarily with the product itself, but because there was a there was a um, uh, the, the, the microcosm of relationships inside of the children's ministry was hindered because there was no macro aspect of it in the adult ministry. And so wow. just to encourage your church out there that some of the changes you might want to make at your, in your children's ministry, it really needs to start in your adult ministry wow. and modeling those practices. Like you can't lead a child spiritually where you're unwilling to go yourself. That's exactly right. Because I think people sometimes go like, you know, oh, let me develop this highly pro- programmatic, highly missional, highly structured thing for the kid. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to go check my phone during the message or I'm going to, yeah. you know, just casually sing words and not really think about what they mean or whatever it is in big church. Like yeah. you called it last time. Yep. Yeah. Be, be with your kids. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's so funny. Um, uh, I was in ministry um, not too far from Washington D.C., and you know we had some high-profile people in our church that that literally were like the neurosurgeons and needed to have their phone on the entire time, or, or they were you know working for the government and you know they had to be on call and things like that. But for a majority of us, I, I think the more that we practice presence either in our own lives or especially with the lives of our kids. Like we spend too much time living in the past and also too much time living in the future, trying to anticipate what's coming that we can miss the kids that are coming through our doors and being immediately present with them, which is why, yeah, you know, for something like technology, yeah, turn the phone off. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. if people really need to find you, they'll find you. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely being present with our kids speaks volumes um, because more, I would say more now than ever, kids today in the realm of digital technology understand whether or not they have an adult's um, presence with them. And if they don't feel your presence, if they don't feel your engagement, then the, the aspect of being a loving and a caring adult, that's not going to resonate over with these kids. They yep. want to see that you are all and fully present with them. And that's what I love because that's what Jesus did. Like, I, I would imagine that was probably the thing that they, they, they walked away more fueled up than ever is that the disciples were like, here's, here's, here's this rabbi that wants to be with me and wants me to be fully present with him. And and no one else sees me that way. No one else thinks of me that way. And there's, there's just so much that it fills up and just, I would say tends the soul in that moment when that takes place, that now you're laying fertile ground for some of these other things to stick. The Brazilian Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. All of this is to accomplish our mission of equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Thanks to Kevin Norris and Phil Wallace for making this podcast happen. Go to resiliendisciples.com for resources and many more of these conversations.